You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Good morning. I'm excited that you're here. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at Banner Church. Uh, glad that you came to us here on Father's Day. Really an awesome day. I'm always encouraged when I see fathers who take the time to prioritize leading their family on Father's Day. So I, I just want to say thank you, uh, dads, for taking that step. Uh, you know, there was kind of this tradition for a while in church where Mother's Day was one of the highest attendance, attended days and Father's Day was one of the lowest. And so... <laughs> Um, you know, all the moms guilted their kids into going to church, and all the dads are like, I don't want to do anything today. Let me be. <laughs> but I think that we are uh, a nation that really agrees, and we're a church that believes that we need fathers to lead the way. We need men to lead the way. So I just want to honor you if you're a dad who chose to come up here and be early. I know my dad was out here at like 6 o'clock this morning putting up signs, so I honor you, Dad. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He hated that. <laughs> Applause is <laughs> good. But I, I appreciate you dads for prioritizing your families. I believe that you're going to see um, a good return on that. This morning, uh, we're talking about your love is strong, which is why we played that song. So, you know, there you go. We're talking about uh, your love is strong because I believe that, you know, Father's Day for some is a good day and some is a hard day. But um, I believe that there's someone that God wants to impart to you, whether this is a, a day you rejoice or lament. And uh, I just want to encourage you that no matter how you came in here this morning, excited to be at church, or someone had to convince you to come because this is not your day. Normally you just kind of like push everything away and just survive this one. I just want to encourage you that God has a word to speak hope into your life this morning and to encourage you and, and to bring love and life into you. So my prayer this morning is that you would leave encouraged kind of regardless of how you came in. And just know that the person sitting next to you is going through a lot. And our job is to encourage one another and be with one another on this day. Can we do that together? Oh, man. All right. Y'all know better than that. Can we do that together this morning? There we go. Good. See, I want to go to the Falcos after this and get some Italian food. But if I don't get the response, if people aren't moving, then we're just going to have to go for like three hours till the spirit slays somebody. But <laughs> no. But if you respond, then we know that we know we're rolling. Um, you know, convince the new people that you're excited to be at church this morning. Amen. But uh, being a dad is interesting. I've only been doing it for a couple years now, going on four years. Uh, but, uh, but I love it. I wish I was better at it. I'm not. I'm not like, I see the, like, the, the dads. I'm better than some TV dads, but not better than a lot of dads in our church. Like, I'm kind of like I, what I would deem middle of the pack uh, of dadness. I love being a dad, but I'm still kind of like figuring it out, figuring out like, I was an only child, I never had sisters, and now I have a three-year-old girl. And if you're a guy, you never really, like, grow up hanging around small children, girls. Like, that would just be weird. Like, where would I ever interact with, like, a four-year-old girl? Like, I don't have these conversations. We wouldn't be hanging. So, so everything is, like, totally brand, brand spanking new for me uh, with it. So I, I love it. Uh, but it's interesting. It's always interesting uh, being a dad. It's interesting having a kid. And, and I always want to be strong for my daughter, mainly because she thinks I'm disproportionately strong for how strong I am. And so my daughter, because I'm remodeling my house right now, and if she can pick up like a small rock and she feels like just shredded that day, she got her work at in. I pick up like a cinder block and she's like, oh, you're so strong. <laughs> 
That's it. One, I'm, I'm talking one cinder block. <laughs> Not like multiple. I'm picking up just one, and she's like, <gasps> you know, I could pick up more than one. All these people looking at me, judging me. Don't judge me. I don't judge you in your life. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, but I pick up one, and she's like, you're so strong. Because in her world, I am, to her, one of the strongest things that she knows, right? I'm To her, I'm so strong. You know, I can pick her up out of the pool and throw her into the pool, you know, it's like, I'm so strong to her, I can pick up big things, and I'm not weak, but I'm, there's a disproportionate level in which she, she thinks I am strong. I'm not even probably the strongest guy in this room, but she thinks that I'm so strong, and, and I want to be that strong for her as much as she would, she would believe that and think that, but even more than physically, I, I want to be emotionally strong. I want my love for her to be strong. I want her to know a strong love. But as I just shared, but where does the source of that strength come from? Because it can't come from me, because like I just said, I'm not even the strongest person in this room. Uh, if we arm wrestled, I, I would say there's odds I may or may not win. Probably not. Jake could probably beat me. That guy's strong. Um, but so it can't come from me because I'm not even the strongest in this room. So I can't be the source of my strength because I'm not that big. My daughter thinks I'm really big and strong. Remember when you were a kid and you thought adults were like giants? And then you realize like, oh, those were middle schoolers. They weren't even like full adults. And I thought they were so huge. But my daughter thinks I'm strong because of her scale. She thinks I'm big because of, of, of her scale to me. But I'm not. I'm, and so I can't be my source. Uh, if you ever want to feel small, if you ever want to really get an idea of your true scale, go to the Grand Canyon. How many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon, seen the Grand Canyon, looked over the edge? Good, so a good amount. I, until last month, had never seen the Grand Canyon. I've only lived here for two years. That doesn't make it sound good. I've lived here for two years, never found a reason to drive four and a half hours to look at a hole in the ground. <laughs> I just never saw it in me to do. Now that I've been there, obviously, changed my mind. So I, I got this invite to go camping at the Grand Canyon, and uh, I was like, well, you know, I heard people like, oh, it's a hole in the ground. But guys, it is the hole in the ground. I mean, it is, it sets the bar for holes in the ground. It is epic. And I had, uh, luckily, Jules, someone in our church let me borrow all this incredible gear, and I had this huge pack, and I was like ready to go. And we did like an observation moment where we went out before we got ready to go down. And I got to the edge and I'm looking at this and I'm feeling the weight of my pack and I'm looking uh, down. And I think, I think I have a picture. Can you put up the first picture? I'm looking. This is the picture I took from where I was standing and I'm holding what felt like a million and a half pounds. And I'm staring there thinking, nope. And so I went back to the truck and I took out like half the things I had, I had packed because I was like, there is no way. I think you can kind of see. I, I can't even see where I'm going. They're trying to point to me, but it's like, they're like, yeah, it's downish there. And downish there is the most discouraging <laughs> direction because it implies you can't actually see how far you have to go. So there was all this stuff and I, it's just absolutely massive. I was totally <laughs> blown away by this uh, by the Grand Canyon, I, I couldn't even believe it. And there's the second photo kind of shows uh, the ridge line uh, that you hike and you can kind of see right here is the trail that you take to go down. This is as high as I can reach, so that's as high as I can point. Uh, the trail to go down, and as you're going down, you're just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And what I realized is that there is a deeper level of the Grand Canyon 
that you cannot see until you go deeper. So there's like all of this Grand Canyon that you can see. It's like, yeah, I could do that. And then there's like a second level. There's a level that they say happened because of, uh, you know, of, of a flood or a washout or post-Ice Age, wherever you're on, all that. And then there's the, the next level that's happened because of erosion, and that's kind of eroded down. And I think there's, there's one more photo on here. You can see a little better. So there's a second level where then you look down again, and there's more, <laughs> more canyon. Just every hour, there's more canyon. It's beautiful, but it's just more and more and more. And so within the Grand Canyon, as vast and big as it was, is there was a deep level that you couldn't see until you went deeper. Is everyone following me? There was a depth to it that I couldn't see from the edge. I couldn't see from a distance. But when I was in it, I really understood the depth of it. Does that make sense? It's unknowable from a distance, but as I am walking in it, I begin to understand uh, in, a, in a really finite sense uh, how deep it was. And then when, here's when you really understand the Grand Canyon. So we hike down, we camp there at night. And I, I just like, I don't know, laid my sleeping bag and uh, this like blow up pad down on the ground and just fell asleep. Uh, I was so tired. And then I think there's a photo of, just keep going, there's one more. So then you go to hike out. This is kind of by where we camped. So you can't see the top from here. You can see level one, no level two. Then go to the next one. Okay, did, did anyone see the flat spot in the middle there? The, at the very middle of the picture, kind of dead center by, next to the peak. That's where I woke up and they go, okay, here's where we have to go, kind of. The other way, but similar. And so when we had to hike back up 5,000 feet elevation change, nine and a half miles, or some people, you guys have done this. Doug's like done rim to rim and danced halfway down. It's just insane. You guys are animals. Uh, Arizona people just love to hike, I guess. Um, I, I realized how big it was. And I was just hiking, thinking of the scale of this thing. Just you could spend centuries in here and never know every little part of it, right? I mean, people have spent decades, you know, in the hiking the Grand Canyon and finding new things. And it's just absolutely massive. And I can barely understand the scope. And yet, even this big thing, I could not picture a bigger hole in the ground unless, except for the ocean that's filled with water. I couldn't picture like a bigger thing than the Grand Canyon. And yet, it's knowable. And yet, the Grand Canyon has ends, beginning ends. It can be put on a map. I can hold that map on my phone and see its entirety, you know, blo you know, pulled back. But I can know it, I can see it, I can hold it. It's finite. It exists in this moment and in this place. So even this, that's so grand, and it made me think as I was hiking, because I think all the time about, about my perspective and my scale and my proportion made me think, I can't find strength in myself because I'm not really that big. And this is the biggest thing I can think of, and yet it's so knowable. The biggest thing on earth is scalable and traceable and measurable, all of these things. And it made it feel so small in that moment, even though my legs felt like they were going to die. Never hike the Grand Canyon, it feels like death. Uh, <laughs> no, it's beautiful. But in this, I, I feel like I, I can know this. And so I couldn't put my trust in myself, find my strength in myself, find my hope in myself because I'm not that strong. I don't have the power to do that. And I couldn't 
put my hope in anything I find really on this earth because it's really not that big. Even the biggest thing I can scale down and take pictures of and bring you to here. And so there has to be something greater, grander, bigger, better that I can put my hope in, that I can find my strength from, that if I really want to, to, to love those around me and to find a source that is eternal, then I cannot put my hope in anything as big as I might think it is that's finite and small. Is everyone with me this morning? And so this verse came to my mind, and I'm going to share it with you here. I've been waiting to share this, but Ephesians 3, 16 through 18. It's in the NIV. If you brought your Bibles, crack those open. If not, it'll be on the screen. Ephesians 3, 16 through 18. It says this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How wide, how deep, how long, how high is the love of Christ. See, Paul right here, he, he's encouraging and exhorting the church, the church in Ephesus, with a prayer that they would understand what their true source is. Church is full of people of all kinds, all backgrounds, all in this place. And he's exhorting them to say, I, my, my prayer and my prayer for us this morning is that we would begin to understand the true source of our strength. That he's guiding us to a realization together, church, about how much God loves us. How much he truly cares. And if we can begin to grasp how much God loves us, it changes everything. See, oftentimes we do a great job grasping how much we feel like we need to serve God. Men of the church, we do a great job feeling like we, we know how much we should serve. And so our definition of loving more is like doing more. And yet what he's trying to get us to see here is it's not so much that I'm saying do please serve. Serve in kids ministry, all those good things. But what he's saying is there's something more where our desire should be to discover more of the love of God. And that fuels everything else for us. And so Paul says a couple things in here that I want to break down together. Are you guys still with me this morning? So the very first thing is strength in our soul starts with the spirit. Strength in our soul starts, it begins with the spirit. Verse 16 in the verse you read says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Get this this morning. This is not a bodily strength that he's talking about here, right? This is not just strength in your body. This is strength in your soul. This is deep. This is the inmost of your being, the place where your identity is, the place where your soul is, not the place that of you that can be sick or healthy or sometimes in good shape and sometimes in bad shape, and then you hit the gym and then you get more strength. Not that place. This is the inner place, the deep place that says, who am I? Where where is my identity planted? What, what am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to lead my family? How am I supposed to care for this kid? I don't even understand what she's saying. How am I supposed, what am I supposed to do here? The, the peace that exists in the inner being begins with the spirit. Who puts 
That peace there is the spirit. See, if we try to use our physical strength to create eternal strength, long-lasting strength, complete strength, it's never going to happen. We often think if I could just do more or get more or make more happen or get this raise or make this, then I'm going to find security. I'm going to find inner security. I'm going to find inner peace. You know, it's a big movement, right? Just find that inner peace, man. We're, we're going to find this inner sense. But can I tell you, there are many ways to pursue inner peace, but there's only one way to find complete strength and peace of identity in your soul, and that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. That the spirit comes in as we begin to trust Christ and it puts that into our heart. Often we think, if I could just just, if I could just, if I could just this, if I could just that. Can I tell you that if I could just, it's never going to bring you peace. If I could just get this promotion, then I'm gonna, I'll be able to be who I want. If I could just kick this, then I'll be who I want. If I could just, you know, lose this, add this, change this, be this do this, if I could just go back in time and stop that, if I could just know the future, then I could, if I could just, can I tell you, it's not where it's going to come from. The increase of your knowledge is not going to increase your peace or strength. It's the spirit putting inside your heart, coming in when you invite Christ. So when does the spirit bring this strength? Because I think we say, man, I want that. I want, I want the spirit to begin to put that in. It says in verse 17, may Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It comes when we submit our hearts to Jesus Christ. When we go for, if I could just, and to God, would you? If I could just get this, no, God, would you, would you move in my life? I submit my heart to you. God, I, I'm done being the source. I, I'm not strong enough to be the source for my family, the source of strength for my family. There's no way. Those, they're screwed if I'm the source of strength for them. God, can you be the source? Verse 17, I love that. Read that again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith opens the door of the soul to receive Christ. Faith admits him. Faith submits to him. Think of it like this. My, my daughter, we've been uh, teaching her to swim. And my daughter, when we got a pool, she just had no concept of jumping in. And, but the more she goes, the more we're together. She, she trusts me. And so now she goes, ready? And then I'm like, ready? And then she just goes and she jumps to me because she trusts me. And that's faith. If she went to jump, how many people have watched videos on YouTube of someone trying to jump and then like deciding right here to stop themselves and slamming into the edge or hurting themselves? When we try to be the person who catches us when we jump in faith, we're going to get hurt. But when we jump into the arms of God, we say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you as my source. Because can I tell you, tomorrow is a jump in your life, whether you feel like it is or not. Tomorrow is a step of faith for you. Driving to work, you got to have faith. With your kids, you got to have faith. Working your job, you have faith. We just sometimes ignore it because we don't see the consequence. But God is trying to say, hey, listen, step out into faith and see that the spirit as you do that would not give you the strength beyond what you could need, beyond physical strength, beyond just mental, beyond just emotional, but full being strength of the totality of entirety of your existence becomes strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Strength in our soul starts with our spirit, starts with the spirit, and it comes really at the end of ourselves. When we get to the end of ourselves, some of you, that's how you found Christ, is you got to the end of yourself and realized, man, this is not working for me. I think we need to make that choice every day. At the end of myself, God, I need you. Be my source. 
Verse 17 says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. It says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. This is Paul's encouragement to say, where you plant your roots will determine your fruit. In your life where you decide to put down roots and in what soil you decide to put down roots will determine what fruit you will come to see in your life. Soil is so crucial. It's funny when my wife and I moved uh, from Washington to here is I'm just used to soil always being wet. Just basically you garden in mud. And then two months out of the year, you garden in dirt. But the rest of it's gardening in mud. So it's like overwatering doesn't even exist conceptually because the soil works with that. But the soil here is different. And so I began to try to plant desert plants in bad soil, soil that I, I, I didn't do right. And so the soil wasn't good. And because the soil wasn't good, the plants looked healthy for a while, but they never grew and eventually they brought the plants looked good for like a couple weeks. They were healthy. They looked okay. But as soon as they tried to take root in that bad soil, they would die or they would never grow. And I'm like, what is going on? I could plant things from this liberal hippie plant place. I can make plants live. Like, come on. <laughs> They're inside. You know, like, I don't even know anymore. But it's because the soil was bad. And soil is so crucial Bad soil means no growth. It means no fruit. Because that's why you don't water the branches of a tree. You water the roots of it because the roots are growing. The roots bring life. The roots bring health. The roots are what decides if it takes root, it will get fruit. And depending on where it takes root will depend on how much fruit there is. The same is true in our life, where you in your life do decide to dig in your roots and plant yourself will decide and dictate the fruit in your life. Let me explain. If we decide to root ourselves into our wealth, the fruit will be greed. It sometimes is money. I, I like having money. It's nice. But it will be greed. It will be insecurity. If we begin to root ourselves into the soil of even our abilities, then the fruit is often pride. But if things don't go the way that they're meant to go, it's discouragement, disappointment, depression. Because we've not taken root in good soil. But what does it say in Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So anybody here that thinks, I'd like some of that in my life, please. Yeah, I'd like a little bit of that. What's the first one it says? The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So if the fruit of the Spirit is love, and we want to see love in our life, we want the true strong, not this fake emotional Hollywood garbage. I'm talking the real stuff, the stuff that's tough, the stuff that survives, the stuff that's real, the stuff that supports. If we want it, then we got to be in good soil. Because if we're rooted first in the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of our life will be love. And you can always tell, even if someone is working maybe sometimes in the gifts of the Spirit, you can always tell where someone's rooted by the fruit. Why are you always angry? Well, maybe you're rooted in the wrong spot. You haven't fully transplanted yourselves. You're, you're half in one pot and half in the other. I've never seen a plant live that way for long. 
and we wonder, I don't know why I don't feel close to the Lord, because you have not allowed yourself yet to be transplanted fully out of the dirt that you are not meant to be buried in. You have not allowed yourself yet, and God's saying, get into this good soil of my love, because if you plant yourself here, look what I promise. You're, you're going to be an orchard of all the things you wish you had. So stop trying to get the fruit and start with the roots, because where you plant your roots will decide your fruit. I love the NLT, and the next one says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Man, that's so important. Not only does it matter where we t put our roots in, but it matters that we dig in. It matters that we go deep, that we don't just stay at surface. It's funny that we, we just defy nature as people. If I put a plant in good soil, it will send its roots deep to find water. But if I put a Christian in a good church, they'll just let all their roots grow on the surface and never chase Christ. And I don't understand. And then the storm comes, and all of a sudden we can't understand why we keep getting uprooted. You know, in my old neighborhood, they planted trees all along this street, and they used garbage dirt, and it was all this, like, fill dirt stuff. And so what happened on the first storm that came? They all got blown over. Not only did they get blown over, but they were getting, like, blown in the street. I'm talking 10, 12-foot, you know, trees. Like, just imagine this tree that's out here. We show up to church one day, and it's just in the middle of the road. And the reason beca was because bad soil, but the other reason was it never took root. It never went deep. It never sought the water because they planted them right before a storm, which is stupid. So that's on them. <laughs> but for the sake of the metaphor, uh, it never took root. And and what happens so often in our life is that uh, we begin to face storms and it begins to uproot us and so we blame the storm. But here's the reality, if no one's ever told you, this isn't the most encouraging part of my sermon, but there is another one coming, that the reality of life is there will be storms. If you think you're going to survive your life without a storm, I don't know how you've made it this long. Because there's always storms. And what we do is we cry at the wind rather than digging in our, our roots and digging into the love of God and digging in where there's strength and saying, God, you know what? The enemy is going to bring the storm, but I'm just going to double down on root growth. And I'm just going to go deeper. I'm just going to dive deeper into who you are. How do we grow deep roots? How do we go beyond just the idea to, to the practice? How, how do we grow deep roots? Can I tell you, one of the ways that we grow deep roots is that we begin to dive into an intimate relationship with God. That we begin to know his love. That we begin to love to love him. That we begin to seek him, to seek after him. It means we worship him means when you come to worship, you don't just come to receive and hope Janet does a good enough job to get you in, in kind of in the worship mood, like, like God's got to prep you up before you can experience his love. It comes and you begin to minister to the heart of God and you begin to cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you that, that I was just full of sin and brokenness and yet you love me. And I came in feeling like garbage today, but I'm just going to give you glory and praise because you're good and just begin to minister to the heart of God. Another way is we, we come in prayer. And we pray and we talk to God that you have an almighty God who sees you, knows you, loves you. And yet in this moment, he hears you and he hears your prayer. And to pray, to speak, to talk with him daily, daily, daily. Begin to talk with him. The other way is that we read and meditate in his word. 
Can I tell you the best way to, to build some strong roots when the storm comes and tries to blow you and knock you over and destroy you? And you're like, how do I learn more about the love of God? How about we go to the place where he has written his love story for you? The word of God is the love story of God where he has written his heart upon the pages of the Bible that you might see that from the beginning of time he has loved you. And that, trust me, if you read the Bible, you'll see other people in there. There's nothing you've done that has, hasn't been done to its umpteenth baddest degree, and yet God still came and died. And so we begin to put our roots deep. We will discover more of his love. And can I tell you, you will never regret a life where you discover more of the love of God. You'll never look back on a day where you're like, man, I, I discovered more of the love of God. And today was kind of a drag. Kind of hated today. <laughs> but you'll discover more of who he is. And when that storm comes, you'll be rooted deep. Third thing this morning, are you with me? With me this morning. All right. Verse 18 through 19, it says, uh, we'd have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The third thing this morning that Paul is showing us about the love of God is that his love is strong. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. Don't do that poppy bass thing. That's scary. <laughs> no promises. All right. No one freak out if he does it, okay? The third thing this morning is that his love is strong. His love is strong. His love isn't just pick up a cinder block strong. His love is greater than the Grand Canyon strong. His love for you is conquer death strong. His love for you, hear me, is defeat death, hell, and the grave strong. That's his love. It's not about what he can, he can, you know, like pick up on this earth. It's the fact that he holds the whole earth and he holds your life and that it's strong and that it is both grand and intimately for you. How wide, long, and deep is the love of Christ. The Grand Canyon has an end. The love of God does not have an end. You will never hike down to the bottom of the love of God and have to hike back out. You will always go deeper, deeper. But there's another level that's deeper that you won't know until you take a step and begin to hike down. And some of you, you need to lay off some of the baggage so you can start making that hike down because the love of God is deep and it's good and it's for you and he loves you and he's with you and he's just saying it's right here, but you gotta begin that journey. Pick the deepest place you can think of, the ocean. My daughter loves this show, Octonauts, and they have all these kind of creatures. What's the, like, long squid thing? Siphonophore. Amen. All these things, all these creatures, and it's so deep. The love of God is deeper than that. We can measure that. It's deep. We, can, we found it. It's deeper. Thank you, babe. Did you know you can run in one direction from the Lord? You could start here and just go as far as you can. Uh, let's see, what's this way? Pacific Ocean's that way. You could go to the Pacific Ocean. You could take a boat, go all the way to like Japan. You get off the boat on the shore. You could kneel on the sand and you would look up and God will be standing there ready to welcome you with his love. Did you know that? If the earth is the place in the life you were supposed to live and, the, and you got on a rocket ship of bad decisions and bad living and things that you shamefully regret and you have fired yourself to the moon, can I tell you, when you finally decide that now you've landed on this place, this hunk of lifeless rock, when you finally decide to step out and step down, Neil Armstrong style, you know who's going to catch you is the love of God. That there is nowhere that you can go. If, if we as humans last 
eight million more years. There is no place we can go in this universe where we can escape the love of God. And that is why the love of God is strong, because it is relentless in its pursuit of you. It is relentless in its sacrifice for you, that it, he loves you. You can't escape it. You can't shake it. You can't evade it. His love is strong. I want to read to you Romans 8. Maybe just take a second so you can begin to commit this before we close. And just kind of close your eyes and receive uh, this scripture in Romans 8. Just kind of receive this into your heart. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can open your eyes this morning. Can I tell you that nothing this morning can separate you from the love of God? doesn't matter how good of a job you feel like you did separating yourself. You don't get to decide if you're separated from the love of God. God has decided that there's nothing, nothing that you can do to separate yourself from his love. And I love that God doesn't just bring you a good love. He brings you an incredible love. It says, know the love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's because God has given you something that if you drank from it every day would never run dry, right? God is giving you something that the more you see, the deeper you go. It'd be like hiking a Grand Canyon where every level there was another level and you just began to discover more and you begin to go deeper and discover more beautiful things and more things that you never could have even imagined at the top. More things than you could ever even know and it's just as you go deeper and deeper, and before at the top you felt worthless, you felt unloved, you felt uh, like you had no identity, but the deeper you go, you just discover the beauty of who God made you to be and what he's given, that he gave his son for you, that, that Jesus laid down his life, and now nothing can separate you from this love. And that if we understood it, it says we would live with the fullness, the fullness. John 10 says, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. God wants you to have a full life. And you know what it's full of? His love. His love. It doesn't say it's full of all sunny days and no storms. He says there will be storms. He says, you know what it's full of is the love of God, the love that's strong, the love that's for you, the love that when you lay in bed at night and you're staring at the ceiling, like how am I going to leave my family or, or pay the bills? How am I going to do this? I feel so overwhelmed. And yet God is saying, listen, step into my love and see that it will not bring inner strength and peace into your life, a solidity of identity. And, and my love will just begin to pour over you and you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. God, I'm a mess, but you love me. You love me, God. I think the hardest thing on Father's Day, 
and understanding the love of God is that we don't always get the best earthly example of heavenly principle. And that um, is hard. If we haven't felt loved, especially by a father, it's hard and we struggle to understand a father's love. And I believe that for some of you, God wrote this scripture and uh, it's written a long time ago, but I believe that it was meant to speak to your heart today. And you've come here on Father's Day to hear this, so I want you to hear these words because God brought you here to hear this. He brought you here just for this, not for the donuts, not for the Coke, not for the great coffee, not for the great worship team. He heard, brought you here to hear Psalm 68 and hear me tell you, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows is this God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free and gives them joy. Man, I, I hope you heard that this morning. God is a father to the fatherless. His love for you is a love that maybe a father never showed you, but this morning he wants to reveal it to you and give it to you. Say, I'm not worthy. Okay, great. That doesn't matter. God still loves you, and he made you worthy. Get over it. He made you worthy. He loves you. Feel like you're unworthy of love, you struggle to accept love. Sometimes as men, we can accept, like I said before, serving God, but we forget that there's supposed to be an intimacy because no one ever taught us good intimacy, so we miss it. So we just want to be tougher and stronger and meaner and just do more, and then, we'll, then people will know how much we love because of how much we did for them, and God just saying, man, knock it off. I love you. Receive my love and the fullness that comes from it. This morning, would you stand with me? Let's stand together in unity. I believe that somebody this morning, God is speaking to your heart. And he wants you to know the fullness of his love. And he's asking you this morning, is that what you want? Do you want the fullness of my love? Do you want to experience the fullness of the love of Jesus? Are you tired of being your source? You're saying, God, I need you to be my source. And are you willing to take a step and say, God, I want to know more of your love this morning. It doesn't matter if you're a dad, a mom, single person. You just wandered in here. You just came in moments ago, whatever it is. I believe that Jesus is asking this morning, how many people want more of my love? Anybody else want more of the love of Jesus this morning? Anybody want more of Jesus? Anyone saying, I I'm tired of being the source. I need more of Jesus this morning. I'm just gonna invite you, I'm gonna rip the Band-Aid off of movement and just say, if that's you, would you just come right here? No hesitation, just come right up front right now. Come on, just make a move, it's okay. Come on, I'm gonna pray for you. Maybe it's a good day, maybe it's a tough day, maybe whatever it is, but you're saying, I, I want more of the love of Jesus. Come on forward. I believe that you're going to receive that. God's going to begin to open your heart. You're going to go to a deeper level this morning. And I'm going to pray for you. And then as our worship team plays, I'm just going to invite in that moment, our prayer team is going to come around. If you're back there, you'll join us in just worshiping together. If you're up here, someone lays a hand on your shoulder. They're going to pray for you this morning. But let's pray together. If, if, you're, in a, if you're in a chair... <laughs> Uh, can you reach your hand forward and let's join together. I just want to pray right now over every person up here that God would begin. God would begin to open your heart and say,
I know you haven't seen it, but it's for you. I know you feel like you got to put up a shell because in your life, when you put that shield down, people hurt you. But I'm not going to do that. I love you. I'm for you. You can put the walls down. You can let them fall. I just want to pour my love. Let's pray together this morning. God, I thank you for every person that's right here who's taking a step. If you're in front, can you just begin to lift your hands and receive this? If you're in the back, just stretch your hands forward to those who are praying to receive this morning. God, we thank you that your love is here, God. We thank you that your love is with us, Lord God. And there are so many different people who are saying, God, I want to know more of your love. I want to know more of your love in my life. I want you to be the source of my strength. I want you to be the source, and I pray right now, God, especially for those who have been hurt, who have been damaged, who have been broken by the things of this world, who said, I will never trust love again. God, I pray that you would bring healing. God, that you are reconciling your children to yourself, that you are a father to the fatherless, that you are hope to the hopeless, that you bring light in the darkness. God, and we thank you that your love is strong. Begin to just pour it out, pour it out. Come on, if you're in this room, just begin to invite him and say, Pour out your love. Open your mouth. Say, God, pour out your love. Jesus, Jesus, we want more of you. Just begin to open your mouth. Begin to praise him. Say, Jesus, I want more of your love. If you're up front, just begin to ask him. Say, God, reveal more of yourself to me. God, I got a lot of stuff going on in here, and I need your love. Jesus, I need your love. More of you this morning. More of you.